I want, I want, I want me, 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 mine, 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 now, now, now. You know you're responsible for what you hear. You know you're responsible for what you hear. Head, the weekly podcast where I talk about, well, whatever happens to be bouncing around inside my head at the moment, but mostly focusing on constitutional issues and political decentralization. This is episode 103 of Thoughts from the Hairy Head, and I appreciate you tuning in. This week, I'm going to talk about nullifying Obamacare. still talking about guns this week, but I'm tired of talking about guns, so we're not going to talk about that. Instead, we're going to talk about a subject that I think is going to leave you with a little bit more of of an optimistic outlook. I'm going to talk about things that are going on right now that have the potential to nullify, at least in practice, the government healthcare system, affectionately known as Obamacare. Now, this is the 407th day the GOP has not repealed Obamacare. Of course, that was a, a huge promise. The Republicans said, oh, if you give us, give us power, put us in Congress, and, and we get a president, and we get Trump, and we're going to get rid of Obamacare. And that was a joke. We still have Obamacare. Now, I do have to give them credit for getting rid of the uh, the tax penalty. That's a good thing. But, you know, Obamacare is still in place, and the the requirement to buy health insurance is just one part of it. And honestly, uh, you could argue that all of the mandates and requirements that are levied on health insurers uh, is really more of a problem than the mandate in terms of actually screwing up the healthcare market. Now, the Republicans don't plan to repeal Obamacare. They never did. And even their so-called repeal plans weren't really going to fix the problem. Basically, they were just replacing Democrat meddling in the marketplace with Republican meddling in the marketplace. And I've got to be honest, I always have kind of bristled at this idea that the Democrats are the bad guys on health care and Republicans are these these good guys that are going to ride in and save the day. I mean, uh, Governor... President Bush gave us uh, a health care program that was every bit as sweeping as Obamacare with Medicaid, uh, Medicare Part D. So, you know, the big problem here, like I said, is all of the intervention into the market, all of these things that distort prices, that distort delivery of service. These are the things that really screw up uh, health care and make it so expensive. There is no free market. You know, you need prices in order to allocate resources, and the government has completely destroyed any semblance of a pricing system within the healthcare marketplace. So we have the mess that we have today. 
So whenever I start talking healthcare, some lefty is going to come out of the woodwork and say, well, what's your solution? Of course, my stock answer is, I don't have a solution. Get the government out of the way. This this quest for government solutions is a big part of the problem. Central planners can't direct a healthcare system. They don't have the information. They don't have the ability to foresee all of the eventualities that you have to be able to foresee in order to run or guide something as complex as a healthcare market. But then the left is going to go, well, free markets, that's the problem. You know, as if there's ever been a free market in healthcare, at least in decades. But I do have some practical ideas that involve getting government the hell out of the way. And in fact, we're starting to see that happen at the state level. And, you know, this could be what ultimately does what Congress wouldn't effectively repeal the ACA in practice by completely undermining it. Now, there's a great report that I wrote this week. Uh, over at the 10th Amendment Center uh, about some stuff that's going on in Idaho. In January, Idaho Governor Butch Otter and Lieutenant Governor Brad Little signed an executive order authorizing insurance companies that do business in the state to offer less costly plans that don't comply with all of the Obamacare mandates. Uh, Little said that this executive order, quote, effectively ends Obamacare for many Idahoans. And when this first came out in January, I even went farther and argued that this move takes a big step toward nullifying the Unconstitutional Affordable Care Act. And really, not a lot of people seem to disagree with this fact. But the big question in Idaho was whether or not any of the insurance companies would actually step up and offer plans in defiance of the federal government. And the answer to that question appears to be yes. Blue freaking cross of Idaho plans to begin offering new Obamacare non-compliant options as early as April. So, you know, it's a big step forward because we're going to see the market expand. We're going to see patients, customers, whatever you want to call us, have more choices. Now, I'll be honest, I don't have a lot of faith in insurance companies, but there's an even more fundamental shift that's going on at the state level, and that's the direct primary care model. So these are basically uh, subscription services. Some people call them medical retainer agreements. It's like a gym membership. You pay a monthly fee, and you get a suite of services, basically all of your primary care services. So you know, it's like if you go to the gym, you don't have to pay extra for uh, using the elliptical or for using the bench press, uh, all of that comes with the membership. And that's the way these direct primary care models work. You pay your monthly fee, you can go to the doctor, and you get basically all of the services that are available in the office setting. So over the last two years, we've seen a number of states, I think we're up in the neighborhood of 30, that have passed bills uh, stipulating that these direct primary care agreements do not constitute insurance. Now, why that's important is it frees these doctors from the onerous oversight and requirements of the insurance laws. And basically, they're able to just interact with their patients. And the bottom line is you end up with huge cost savings. Now, this is where it gets pretty interesting because I actually have uh, some direct experience with this. Kentucky passed such a law last year, and lo and behold, this year there is now a direct primary care provider here in my hometown of Lexington, Kentucky. So I've been looking for some health care solutions when my health insurance went up to $1,000 a month uh, and uh, basically 
was requiring me to pay about $12,000 out of pocket before it covered anything. I mean, it was outrageous. It was not affordable. We simply couldn't afford it. And direct primary care looks to be part of the solution for me and my wife. So I'm paying 75 bucks a month, and I had my first appointment last week. And the first thing that just blew my mind was how much better the service was. The whole experience was better. I walked right in. I didn't have to even sit down in the waiting room. I went right to the back, uh, went through all of my vitals and stuff with, uh, with the nurse. Uh, the doctor walked in within about four minutes of the nurse saying, he'll be right with you. And we spent 45 minutes talking, going over my health history, doing the exam, 45 minutes. When was the last time you actually went to the doctor and spent 45 minutes with that doctor. They can't do that because they're captive to the insurance system. They can't bill that much. This whole system with direct primary care is built on the patient experience. It's built on serving me. It's the doctor-patient relationship, and it's completely different. But let's talk about the cost savings for a moment. I've... uh, prescriptions. I have to fill them once a month. And when I was running them through my insurance, my out-of-pocket was like $16 a month. Okay, that's not bad. It's reasonable. Uh, When I dumped my insurance and started paying cash for these prescriptions, I was paying $56 a month. Through my direct primary care provider, I will now be paying a grand total of $8 per month for my prescription. That's a $48 savings based on what I was paying in cash. And it, it's still half off of what I was paying through insurance. So this is an extreme amount of money that I'm saving, $48 a month. That's more than half of my monthly subscription price for being part of this uh, direct primary care system. And it's not just prescriptions. They can get the same type of savings, the same levels of savings for lab work, MRIs, a whole bunch of different services. So this is the savings that Obamacare promised to deliver but didn't. So you see the problem here. It's an insurance system. It's a government system. It is a crony capitalist system. It's not free market. When you actually get free markets working, you get cost savings. So, you know, this is the good news, I think, because there are alternatives. This just proves that there are ways to deliver health care that are affordable, that don't require the federal government to point a gun at my head to buy their crappy insurance that doesn't cover anything and that I still can't afford. So um, I'll put some uh, links in the show notes about stuff that's going on with direct primary care and uh, other things that we're doing at the 10th Amendment Center to undermine this horrible federal health care system. And again, this is good news. And uh, so that's basically what I wanted to cover today. So that's it for this episode of Thoughts from a Hairy Head. We're another 10 minutes closer to freedom, and I really appreciate you listening to this show. If you enjoyed it, do me a favor and spread the word. And feel free to send me any thoughts or ideas to michael.meharry at 10th Amendment Center.com. And if you haven't done it already, please head over to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast for free and leave me a nice review. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks again for listening, and I'll talk to you next time.